this is Phil Yanov with the Tech After Five podcast. And once again, I got my pal, Scott Pfeiffer, with me. Phil, always great to be here. This is fun. Hey, Scott, this is a topic that I think both of you as a friend and mentor and expert on, you can give us some help. But I want to explore it a little bit wider than other folks might do. And it is um, the idea of an advisory board, right? And the thing is, I think, uh, listen, there's nothing in this world that's big that you ought to be doing on just your own. It's your ability to pull together a team and have people help you. And that's not just the folks that work for you. You just need good advice. And I mean, I know a lot of people probably feel alone in what they're doing, feel like they, you know, they don't have good sort of ways, but they and they ought to put together something of an advisory board. I just want to explore this in two ways with you. One of which is that sort of traditional model for which we would have an advisory board for a, a business that we're engaged in, etc. But the idea, I want to ask you the question too: Should I, Phil Yanov, have an advisory board for me? Right? I mean, does my life? I mean, there's some way I might actually use some of these same ideas there. And I, I kind of point that out because I think some people might say, oh, I don't have a business. I don't know if I need an advisory board. I think having good people around you is a good idea. I completely agree, Phil. And I think advisory boards are a great idea, especially for solo entrepreneurs. If you're in a partnership, maybe the partnership itself is sort of an advisory board to the business, although I have seen partnerships where an actual advisory board is very helpful. But for a solo entrepreneur, I think they can be invaluable. And I like your idea of sort of an informal advisory board just for your own life. Yeah. So and so let's come back to I mean and the thing we're distinguishing between is like so you might have a board of directors which is a formal thing help us understand how this advisory board is different from what I might have inside of a company or corporation I guess Sure so depending on your form of organization uh if you're a corporation for example you might have a board of directors and that board of directors has an official legal role to play and their decisions matter and can be binding on the president or the executive officers of the company in some ways. And they have legal duties to the shareholders that they have to fulfill. An advisory board is not that. An advisory board is an informal group of people that you have gotten together and they do just that. They listen and give you advice but their advice isn't binding. They don't have any legal duties to the shareholders that they have to fulfill. They're just there to help you have someone to uh, give you strategic direction and look into your shadow and give you advice. Great. Okay. So and I'm, it's possible I'd have both. But the fact is probably most small, like you talked about, that we started this with, if you're a solo entrepreneur or if you're even in a partnership or something small like that, the idea is you probably don't have this board anyway. But it would be great to have someone help you uh, make some decisions. And again, they're not deciding for you. They're just giving you good advice along the way. That's exactly right. They're giving you advice along the way. They're only going to look at or give you advice on the things you ask them about. They don't have any independent duties to go investigate other things like a real board might. Right. Um, so what questions you're going to ask them matters. So you want to, if you want an advisory board, there are several things to consider before you get going. 
All right. So I want you to, I mean, I know you've given this some thought. I think you've written a blog post about this in the past. Talk to me a little bit about, uh, let's just assume that I'm in and I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm a loner. I feel like I'm not getting good advice. I feel like, uh, you know, maybe I'm making some mistakes. It might be rookie mistakes. And it's probably more than just, you know, asking my father-in-law for advice or something like that. I need to go a little bit beyond that. Tell me what I need to be thinking about as I put together an advisory board. What does that look like? Sure. It can be lonely at the top as a solo entrepreneur or a member of a small partnership. You don't want to go and ask your employees for advice because you might have to tell them things that might make them nervous or overexcited about, you know, there might be some things you don't want to share with your employees. Right. And you talk to your spouse or like you said, your father-in-law, but they may not have the expertise you need to give you good sound advice. So the advisory board, if you're going to put one together, the first thing you need to think about is how big should it be? Fewer than three really isn't a board. That's a mentor or a coach right. or a consultant, which are also good things to have. Right. More than six is unwieldy. So I think the sweet spot's going to be somewhere between three and six. And I would generally recommend people start with three. And kind of see how it goes. And you can always add people later. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, is I, I'm kind of finding the middle of your numbers there, right? So, somewhere between three and six, that's four and five, right? So, if I'm in that space of getting four or five people to actually do this, um, okay, I need some help. What kinds of folks ought to be on there? It seems to me that'd be the first question, right? I'm, I mean, A, I want something where there's a little back and forth between these people so it's not... They're not too small, not too big, just like you described. Now, who should be, who do I reach out to? You're going to want to reach out to a diverse group of people because the really the point of the advisory board is to get a diverse set of opinions from people with different life experiences, different business experiences. So we're going to look for diversity, first of all. And there are a few groups of people that we don't want to ask. I don't think you want a customer on there. I don't think you want a vendor on there. And I don't think you want a competitor on there. So you need people that maybe they were in your industry, but they're older. Maybe they've retired. Maybe they've sold their company. Maybe, depending on your industry, if your market demographic is younger people than you, you might want a young person on there. Uh, You might want different Genders, you might want different races, different experiences, somebody that's good in finance, somebody that maybe is better with management. So we're going to look for a diverse group of people, mostly probably more experienced people that can give us the benefits of our of their life experience, but maybe also some younger people. Or if you're a male, maybe you want a female. If you're a female, maybe you want a male, that sort of thing. Yeah. So as I'm doing that, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I think that's all great advice, right? As I'm thinking about that, um, I got so I when I would look for four or five people, I'm gonna I'm gonna look for some diversity of backgrounds in this. I would think that it would be a useful exercise beforehand. I mean, just think to yourself, 
what are 10 questions I might ask of an advisory board and who would be in the best position to answer those, right? So if I've got a lot of questions about how I'm going to grow this thing or how I'm going to deal with having more employees, then, you know, someone who's done that before would be a good person to have, right? If I think that there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, I'm going to engage in a bunch of contracts with different kinds of people, I don't, I don't have to have a lawyer on my advisory board, but I should have someone who's been through that part and how did they navigate those hurdles, right? Well, that's exactly right. Depending on what your business is doing and where you see it going, that should inform who you want on your advisory board because you know what kinds of questions. Now, your advisory board is not going to be there to run your business for you. It's not something you're going to want to meet every month and ask them detailed, nitty-gritty questions about business operations. They're more there to do long-term strategic planning and direction like, should I add this new line of business or how should, do I need to raise money? And if so, how should I go about it? So think about the long-term goals that you have and where you're headed. And that will help you figure out what kinds of skill sets you need on your advisory board. Yeah. So uh, how often should we meet and what should that look like? I, I think that once a year is not enough for them to really get into the flow of your business. And I think once a month is too much work for you because there's some prep work we're going to have to do. We have to actually take time out of our lives to have the meeting. And there's some follow-up we're going to need to do. If you're doing it once a month, that's a lot of work. I think quarterly or three times a year is kind of the sweet spot. It lets them meet often enough that they sort of keep the narrative without being a, a big administrative burden. All right. So I, I like all of that. Um, do you have any advice on what the format of those meetings might look like? Sure. I think the first thing you need to do when you form your advisory board is to create an advisory board charter. And that charter, I believe there's one linked to the uh, article I wrote about this on my LinkedIn page, but that charter is going to sort of set the ground rules and the expectations. It's not a binding legal document. It's just a set of guidelines and expectations about how often we're going to meet, what the meetings are going to look like, how long they are, what the advisory board members are going to be paid for their participation, and that sort of thing. And once you have the charter in place, you can invite the people uh, with an invitation letter and get them to agree. And then the meeting itself, I think you're going to keep it narrow and focused. I recommend at least one, but no more than three questions to put before the board at each meeting. Yeah. And so depending on whether you're one question or three questions, it may be anywhere from half a day to a day. I don't think you want to stretch it into more than one day. And I think you're going to want to build some social time around it, whether it's a lunch or cocktails when you're done or a dinner. You can have some social time to create that bonding experience that we talk about. Right. So if I'm asking people to spend that kind of time with me, I'm kind of curious of what your thoughts are on compensating the advisory board. How do you do that? Some people like to give their advisory board stock or participation in the company. I generally don't like to do that because I don't want them to necessarily be giving me advice with their own financial futures in mind. I want more neutral advice than that. 
but I do think it's good for them to compensate advisory board members for their time to show them that you value their time and their contribution. They're not a mentor, although the process for finding an advisory board member may be similar to what we talked about in our mentor podcast. So I think depending on the size of your company and the heft of the people you're inviting, somewhere between $500 and $1,000 per meeting each is a good number. If you're really a small business, maybe less is okay. I think free, you run the risk of people being too busy to show up for a meeting from time to time. You want to incentivize them to make this a priority. You want to incentivize them to read the stuff you're going to send them beforehand to come. And so I think you know paying them some sort of honorarium like that, plus maybe a cocktail party or a dinner, is a good is a good way to do it. Yeah. Um, so, am I going to shuffle this board from time to time? And how do I do? How do I go about that? You're almost certainly going to have to shuffle it from time to time. People aren't going to stay on your advisory board for 20 years. I think you should ask in your invitation letter for a commitment. Like for a year or so? Does that seem like a right thing to you? I think three years is a good number. Okay. And I also think maybe with the first board, you sh- you shuffle the commitments. Like you have some one-year commitments and some two-year commitments and some three-year commitments. There you go. So that you're never replacing the whole board at the same time. Right. So if I have three people on my board, I may ask one guy one year, one guy for two years, and one guy for three years. I'm replacing one guy every year. That way I don't lose a lot of institutional knowledge all at the same time. And I would try to rotate it like that. Right. And again, the idea that just is to continually bring in fresh ideas. If that It is. is. And you can re-up people if you like the advice you're getting and they're willing to sign on for another three years. But I would try to just take it in three-year chunks. I wouldn't ask someone for an indefinite commitment or longer than three-year commitment. They don't know what's going to be going on in three years. You don't know what's going to be going on in three years. And it also makes it easier if you know, you're not really loving the advice you're getting or you need a different skill set in the room because things have changed, it makes it easy at the end of the commitment just not to not to continue it and to go another way without having to go to somebody and saying, hey, I'd like you to not be on my advisory board now. Right. I mean, I, that was what I think the real value of the having a term of some sort is. I, I think I it's mean, critically important. Yeah, it's not a... <coughs> Excuse me. It's not an unpleasant conversation. It's just like this is the way we do it so that we keep ideas shuffling through. And again, like you point out, if you really, really love the advice you're getting from somebody and you decide you want to have them come back again, you can come up with a way for doing that. Just That's right. ask them to re-up for it. That's right. All right. I like the terms a lot. What other things do you think I need to know, Scott, if I'm going to put together an advisory board? Anything else on your list? Well, you're only going to get as good a advice as you put time into this project. So just because you have an advisory board, if you just have them show up and you just kind of riff and you don't do a lot of prep, it's just not going to be that good. So you need to, and this is why I think having it once a quarter or three times a year is good, because you need to put some thought into what questions do I need to ask? And then what documents and information do they need to see so that they can form a good opinion? And so you've got to send out a notice of the meeting and materials beforehand and enough beforehand that they have time to digest it and think about it so that when they show up for the meeting, you can kind of get right into it and get some good advice 
let them talk, let them riff, and then you can either be in the room while they're talking and hear the whole thing, or some people like to let them go off on their own and talk, and then you come back in and they sort of brief you on what their answers are. Both ways work fine. It's just what's more comfortable for you. But you need to do the prep work of getting the questions together and getting the materials in the hands of the advisors before the meeting. At the meeting, you need to have someone there making some sort of record because you're not going to remember everything. So whether you have someone taking notes or you record it or whatever, you're going to want to do that. Great. And then there's got to be follow-up. You have to actually take that advice and implement it in some way or decide not to implement it for a reason and let the board members know what the follow-up was, what the results were. So at each meeting, you should start with tracking prior advice and what actions have been taken and what the results have been before you move into sort of new advis- new uh, business where you talk about, here are the questions I want to ask this time. Yeah. Now, I, I like this a lot, right? I think people need it. I don't think people have always have an understanding of how to get about this idea of putting together an advisory board. But, I mean, you do not need to be doing this on your own. You do not need to feel like you're alone. You do not need to just have just casual, informal advice. Um Putting together a team that, I mean, I love the clarity and discipline it gives you to prepare for, I'm going to have serious people that I'm going to ask serious questions who are going to ask me serious questions. And I've got some accountability in this as well. I mean, I think these are great reasons to put together an advisory board. I've had people tell me that the prep work that they have to do to ask the question, knowing that they're going to be drilled by serious people who have good ideas is almost as valuable as the advice they get from those people. Great. Yeah, I believe it entirely. All right. I think this has been, this is some great advice, Scott. And I think that anybody who's out there on their own, they need to solve this problem. And we've given them a little bit of a path for doing that. And uh, we'll include a link. We're going to go find your article. I guess you said it's on LinkedIn. We'll find your article uh, on LinkedIn as well and include a link to that in our show notes so people could go learn a little bit more about the process. Sounds great. All right. Thanks a lot, Scott. Thanks, Phil.